Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Sailor Snacking, the podcast where we talk about the 1990 Sailor Moon anime, and we have a yummy snack. I'm Jen, and as always, I'm joined by Tracy. Hello, listeners. So, Tracy, do you want to tell us about this week's snack? So, today's snack is fish ice cream. Yay! No, I'm just kidding. Well, if you call it fish ice cream, then it does sound kind of gross. And then you Um, get the whole box to yourself. Yeah. (laughs) But um, what it is, is um, some manko, and it's um, just like shaped as a fish, and it's made by the company Bing Gray, and we've had another snack on the show from that same company, so it's a South Korean company, and that was our Malona popsicles. So mm. they make some delicious snacks, or at least I'm hoping so. I haven't tried it yet. <laughs> awesome! I'm looking forward to trying it. Uh, Me too. And to- <laughs> today we have uh, a special returning guest. Uh, we have Tara's back again. So welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Excited to be here again. Hmm. Uh, so if you want to hear about uh, Tara's history with Sailor Moon, you can go back to episode 13, which I believe was the last one she was on. Uh, but do you have any new Sailor Moon news in your life, Tara? I Nothing no, other than watching it with my children is proving to be an experience uh, as they see it for the first time. Uh, it, it's It's interesting to see it again. Um, through somebody else's eyes, if you will. Ah. Um, yes, I mean they're also my they they're also a little young for it, so <laughs> their takeaways are often um, intriguing on their own. <laughs> Sparkly, uh, probably. Nothing. No, no. My daughter has some really, really cute takeaways from certain films and movies. She once said she liked Mulan because she was the best killer. <laughs> and I mean, technically true. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. She got a lot of them. <laughs> she did. And, and it, it was, it, it is technically true. Like it is an accurate description However, <laughs> not necessarily one you want to go after, right? Right. So her I mean, takeaways like... sometimes are, are, um, yeah. So so her takeaways are sometimes a little um, not what you expect. Um, but that being said, it's it it is interesting to to revisit the show with her, and to uh, and, and she's enjoying it. So bringing far. a fresh um, I'm, perspective. I'm bringing a fresh perspective, but also somebody <laughs> else's kind of point of view, um, you know, to it. And the, I'm excited for her to see some of the the because um, she's only she's a little bit behind the show in terms of what we're saying. Because I'm I'm literally watching two versions of this show right now. I'm getting Sailor Mooned up to the to the to the gills. I'm watching the the, the subtitled and the the uh, English uh, dubbed version with her because she can't read very well. She's only five. Uh, 
<laughs> and so I'm getting, I'm, I, but it's also, I, I, it was kind of a deliberate choice anyways, because I wanted to see the differences. Um, but it's also, I, because we're a little bit behind, I can't wait for her to see some of the other sailor senshi slash scouts, depending on your point of view. Yeah. Um, because I think right now her favorite is Ray, but I think that she'll enjoy, um, I think that she'll enjoy, you know, uh, Venus more or, um, Mishiru more. Um, yeah. As an example of of two that I think she would she would identify better with than Ray, although yeah. I can kind of see why she identifies as well. <laughs> I think what's so awesome about this show is all the female characters are so unique. Like none of them is a very stereotypical what you would call like that female character. They all have very different um, backgrounds and opinions mm-hmm. and that's what's just so great about this show for young girls yeah and they're all they're all still 14 year olds though so you still have that silly young teenager aspect to every character but in some it's more prevalent and some it's less and yeah like you said they all have their own unique experiences which makes them all such great characters yeah especially yeah. for a show in the 90s right um i don't think we had too much of that in the 90s like strong female characters with different personalities yeah i think that that is part of what made it so um i I think it's part of what made uh, sailor moon so big in the first place was that it was one of the earlier shows that went so far with having um you know some some strong female like Sailor Moon's an interesting kind of character on her own in that she's definitely in some ways stereotypically you know quote unquote a crybaby like she's mm-hmm. self described as a crybaby mm-hmm. um, you know and we see her growth and we see her change like I said I both I both find her irritating but I can also appreciate her as well um. <laughs> And there's nothing wrong with being a bit sensitive, Uh, right? I think that nowadays we would call someone like that less a crybaby and more just like a sensitive person. And and, and like I said, it's, 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 and and I appreciate, I I mean, as a character, I find her irritating as, as if it were an actual person, I think I would appreciate the person more. Um, I like uh, I, I don't know how to explain that, but as a person, I don't I don't I think I would have less issues with it with an actual person. Yeah, because uh, probably just more ex- ex- <laughs> yeah accepting of humans than you are of like cartoon characters, and that's yeah. you know a good quality to have. Yeah, and she is a cartoon character, so she is played up a bit to the extreme, so that you know uh, you yeah. do have that real. So big we get difference. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think I think that there's that too, and and, and that's maybe why I find it because because they are playing it up a lot. But on the other hand, I appreciate the fact that she does go through that growth and those changes, and the fact that you know, despite the fact that she is this this really um, sensitive character, uh, and that she really isn't suited to the kind of battle and and being a hero she pushes through it anyways and she's clearly yeah. not suited for this kind of thing yeah and that's um, and, what makes her the best self, kind of hero <laughs> and, and, and mm-hmm. she steps up anyways that, yeah, 
like like she steps up anyways and she continues to keep trying and keep persevering and and I, i so i do appreciate the fact that you know despite that she's she has all these fears and insecurities and 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 sensitivities, you know, that she keeps she keeps going regardless. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is her, is her greatest strength as as a character and as as a hypothetical person. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So so like I said, yeah. I do appreciate her, and I think that that's the greatest takeaway from her character is that she has all of these like that this strength within. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I really hope none of my children start trying acting like that. <laughs> yeah, I wish there I could have that, that. There is a there is a correlation between modeled behavior and and, and actual behavior. Um, <laughs> so I, I I don't think so. I think that they're seeing that you know, like they can see that it's just a. Um, yeah, you know, like a, an extreme, and I, I, I think that their kind of perspective is the same as mine. That it's, it's a, a little too extreme. Yeah, um, it is. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but I, but it's 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 still interesting and entertaining, and uh, in in so you know in many ways, and I, I am, I am enjoying watching watching it again but also watching it again with somebody else who hasn't seen it before yeah mm-hmm. i wish i could have got my niece uh into any kind of cartoon she's not a big tv watcher just that's her personality but i mean i would have really loved to sit down and watch sailor moon or shira with her uh but it's just she's not into tv so but i have another niece who's still only about a year <laughs> two years old so i got time i got time <laughs> <laughs> nice Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I mean, Amelia is not so much into these shows, so Kimberly is, and so this is a a bonding point for us. Yeah, because uh, Amelia and I have other uh, other interests in common, like we cook together and we do other things together. So yeah, yeah. this is this is um, Kimberly and I. This is a way um, for us to um, to uh, to do something together. That's yeah. Which is just nice. us. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. always lovely. Uh, so let's get into our episodes. So today we are watching or reviewing episodes 31 and 32 of the Japanese uh, episodes listing. So episode 31, Loved and Chased, Luna's Worst Day Ever. <laughs> I love this episode. <laughs> and episode 32, Umino's Resolve, I'll Protect Naru. So we'll start with Luna's worst day ever. I love this episode. I think this is probably one of my favorites. It's absolutely hilarious. And I just think that it's nice to have this like comedic episode thrown in every once in a while. Uh, But what did you guys think of this? Uh, Tara, we'll start with you. What did you think of Luna's worst day ever? (laughs) Oh, I think it's, um, I think, it was, as you say, it's a hilarious episode. And I, I think it also, for me, in some ways, kind of also feeds into my perspective that Luna is not this, uh, not the older sage yeah. uh, person that that they kind of portray 
prayed in the in the English version. Um, and I mean, granted, it plays out much the same in both versions, as I recall. I haven't reviewed this in the English again yet, but I believe it plays out very similarly in the in the two of them. And and that being said, because uh, her reactions and her to to the whole situation is is yeah, it it. it. It made us like because I was watching this with Karina, like I always do, and we had the conversation of, so how old is Luna supposed to be? Because she's acting a lot like a teenager in this kind of episode, and like you were saying, Tara, right? She she tries to be the mature sage, like guardian, like leading mentor of these girls, but I mean, we've yes. seen lots of examples of Luna, you know kind of falling into the same kind of shtick that Usagi falls into. I like when she draws fat Usagi or when she she makes fun of the girls a lot. She teases them. So it's like she's not really like a mentor so much. Is she just like one of the girls? She's kind of in, like just in the information way. person, right? Like yeah. that's really like, what she I, does. Or or if anything, she might be like it's hard it's hard to place her with an age so much as I'm just placing her maturity level. Yeah. Um in, in so much as that she's similarly mature, like whether it's slightly older or slightly younger, it's somewhere in that that range. Well I guess it depends uh, on how old she is in the- cat years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if cat years is different <laughs> from like human years. But um she has a crush in this episode, which is kind of along the lines with all the other girls right yeah so she's, like for a cat she's like at that what you would call like puberty stage maybe yeah because i'm almost thinking like if we made her into a, a a human girl like another one of the of the sailors senshi i'm like she may be 15 like if if she was supposed to if they had made luna a human character in the same role as like the She'd mentor just be like and a the year guide, older yeah i wouldn't put yeah, her much older maybe, than maybe usagi and the others older. Yeah, because what I'm envisioning is someone who might be just just slightly older, just enough older to be like, you have to do what I tell you because I'm the oldest. Right. Yeah. Like so Angelica like 15, from Rugrats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But still that yeah, lower that maturity be, level. Not quite but, as mature. But not mature enough to actually, actually deal with things the way that they, they, they should be for somebody who's in charge if you will yeah um so then that's what i'm kind of getting at is like Mm because she 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 plays at being the the the, granted i don't know she's playing at it so much as it's a role that's as we kind of alluded to in the last one where it's a role that's kind of being thrust upon her Mm-hmm. Where she's she's trying to play at, uh, or she's being forced to play at being uh, both the information source and, you know, like hey no 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 you guys need to be a group and you have to have a leader and you, ha- you know, like she's she's directing them, yeah. Because but it's almost like she's just the textbook. Like she's never been a leader before, but she's yeah. like, um, this is what a leader should do, so I'm going to do it. Right? She doesn't act with a lot of experience. Yeah, she's trying her best, but, like, she was just kind of given this role, like you were saying, and she's like, well, I guess I have to gather them and find the moon princess, that's my job, but I don't know how to do that. All right, <laughs> like, 
try to keep them focused, but she doesn't really know how to other than telling them it's time to focus. She's trying to mentor them without knowing like what her job is or what she's mentoring them in. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. So she's, she's got a really tough gig of like, she's got a tough go of this poor Luna. And then to top it all, she's dealing with Usagi and you know, the, the craziness of these four girls who, you know, for the most part are think that it's super cool to be a guardian, but don't really know what they're supposed to be doing either. So it's like the blind leading the blind. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, definitely. Like, like she's, she's definitely got a difficult role to fulfill and, and I don't necessarily envy that. And I think, I think that to a certain extent it's, it's more than what, she initially was supposed to be doing and I think that that's why she's kind of not always doing the greatest at it because it's not necessarily what she was meant to do because it's like yeah yeah like she's not meant to be taking on the role of of mentor she's supposed to be an advisor an advisor is a mentor right like this is though they they though there's overlap in what they do it's not the same thing right yeah. Um, like, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, the, yeah, yeah. The, these, like, like, she's supposed to just, you know, uh, you know, give them the information and then and then help them, you know, point them in the right direction and and say go, rather than going like, no, no, you guys, you you got to pick a leader and this yeah. person needs to be the leader. And like she's directing and, them to a yeah. certain. She she is directing them to a certain extent. She's not trying to take on the leadership role, but she's definitely trying to 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 herd them into the right kind of um, into the right kind of uh, path. If but, you will. And I think that's uh, because of, some of oh sorry, <laughs> I was going to say at least for the first little while she was in the leadership role because it was just her and Usagi. And Usagi was not ready to, to step up and be the leader. And then they got Mercury, and Mercury was a little better, but Ami was is not really a leader either. Like none of them really show complete leadership. So like Luna's almost kind of like, I don't want to be the leader, but I have to be until one of you can step up and be the leader. I, I still think that she was mentoring at that point because they were yeah. still all very new. No one yeah. was capable of taking on a quote unquote leadership role. So she was mentoring them into the into even their roles as as the senshi, right? Like this is you know like this is not just how you do it, but like this is what's involved in in doing you know like being the pretty guardians, right? Yeah. Um, like this is what's involved in being in being a guardian. Uh, you know, like there's there's more involved than just you know fighting battles and and knowing your your special attacks right yeah there's and as the show goes just those things and as the show goes on we see luna being less and less involved in the actual battles right and it's more that she leaves it all up to the girls to go and do yeah and that's kind of how it should be and should you know and so and and that's appropriate so like i said she's taking on a very active mentoring role at this point which uh, like I, you know, is kind of necessary, but I don't think it was never ever necess- like meant to be that way, or it doesn't feel yeah. like it was meant to be that way because it's clearly not I think, ready to be doing that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she kind of takes a backseat once the girls are ready, right? So mm-hmm. that's yeah, that's sort of how that transition well, happens. And when you get the Moon Princess, who's their clear leader? Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. once it's 100% clear that there can be no other leader, I guess, yeah. I would say. Because um, it's also, and then that's also once once there comes a point that you have a leader and everybody knows what the roles are, then then that kind of mentorship does or, or should naturally fade away anyways. Because what, what is she going to do? Yeah. Um, I mean, really. So, I mean, I, then that's why I'm saying, like, she's mentoring them to learn the roles. And then once they actually have the roles understood, then, then she kind of fades back into more of that advisory role that I think ultimately she's more comfortable with. And that yeah. I think it traditionally in the Moon Kingdom was her role. Right. Yeah, I think so too. I think she was. She and Artemis were advisors to Queen Serenity. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then, yeah. And, and so, like I said, I, I think the mentoring is the part that's not quite the natural fit, and that's why, in some ways, she, she, and I'm not saying that she's necessarily doing a terrible job at it, but she isn't necessarily doing a great job at it. She's like, doing the best she can. Poor Luna. <laughs> Yeah. And and I'm acknowledging that, but yeah. at the same time also acknowledging the flaws. Oh, know, definitely. Like, like the you, know, you should be making fun of your 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 mentees, right? Like Oh I wasn't in the how to be a mentor rule book, anyways. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I, I, just, a, I don't think that's an appropriate yo <laughs> I want to talk a little Go bit ahead. about how Sorry. Luna gets into like a turf war because it wasn't really explained in this episode. But like this episode opens with her being chased by a lot of cats, and then there's like a cat yes. attached to her tail. Like I love that cat. Um, I <laughs> I don't know what's happening there. Can she I just said that she fight? got involved somehow in in a, a turf war. Like, I guess she got between two rival groups of cats, and then they all turned on her for some reason. But yeah, none of that is explained. So is this Rhett Butler? So this there's like this cat, <laughs> this blue cat that has a crush on Luna, very very obviously. Um, does does he is he like part of one? gang of cats or is he just like so big and scary that no one wants to mess with him he's the tuxedo mask of cats (laughs) yes i love when he enters and they play the tuxedo mask theme that was great throws a fish bone (laughs) yes it was it was perfect (laughs) yes but i'm like also what is happening (laughs) I, i i mean i did get the impression that in terms of the turf war that he does not fit into it uh, either yeah um it's as you say that he's just this this large cat that nobody wants to mess with um because he doesn't seem to prowl with the, the theoretical gang of other cats at any point yeah and guess, he's an indoor cat right yeah i think that maybe the other gangs of cat the other cat gangs are scared of him 
probably because he's so big. But I mean, even when he rescues Luna and then they try to escape, um, that does not go so well. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Oh, he kind of second... bungles that. Yeah. It's so adorable, right? But when you think about it, I mean, he kind of landed on his feet still, like a cat, yeah. but like so awkwardly. <laughs> <laughs> He, like, jumps off yes. of, like, the railing and, like, hits a cat randomly in that group of cats and then bounces and then falls through the manhole cover. It's like his aim was really good, but at the same time, I guess because of the weight of the cat, he just went right through the the manhole cover. So that's kind of hilarious, but also, like, a good getaway. Yeah. There's no way he could have been yes. able to fight all those cats. <laughs> And I, and I love that little cat that's just attached to Luna's tail, like chop, 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 chop. I think that's probably my favorite part of that whole opening part. <laughs> yes. And, and yeah, then when it finally like, is detached, like it has like metal chompers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is up with that? Just like, shing. <laughs> I, I, I think it was just like a, a joke, but I think this was all pure, like, really just mostly like pure comedy with a little it was it was plot moving forward but it was it was mostly pun puns and and jokes uh yeah. i mean i have to admit i, I really enjoyed the suicide in the sewer <laughs> oh zoe like, in the rats <laughs> yeah so like zoe is like covered in this rat suit of armor like oh it's it's funny at first because he's like, I want nothing to do with this disgusting sewer, and then suddenly is just like embracing it. Yeah, and it's like, look who's the king now, covered in rats. <laughs> I'm like, ew. And it but was also so fun. Like, it was so fun seeing Zoisite so uncomfortable because usually Zoisite's really got it together when he's out like out and about and and uh, you know doing his thing, but in this one he was just like completely disgusted and like fleeing and just <laughs> just completely uncomfortable and I kind of loved it <laughs> yeah we see like Zoocyte as kind of like a an uptight kind of character and so like being in the sewer putting your hand against like a wall of rats like that really startled him so yeah. that was funny yeah <laughs> And then running, and it's as he's running all. with all these rats it's chasing stopped. him, he's like, oh, there's the cat I want, and just keeps running. <laughs> uh, I laugh so hard through this whole episode. It's so good. And then gets consumed by the rats. <laughs> yeah. And I love how the whole time Red Butler is just like, no expression. Just like, Nothing. Not scared. Nothing. The only reason you can tell that he's got a crush on Luna is because he blushes slightly, but like his yeah. eyes don't change, his mouth doesn't just completely no expression. And I think it's really interesting. So when Rhett Butler becomes the monster, so Bakene, I think is the monster's name. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so he doesn't really get an opportunity to be like a bad guy at all. Because the only thing he really does is save Luna. Yeah. 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 It's a very is, short monster battle, quote unquote battle. Which is so cute. And then the rest of the episode is just a lot of like hilarious antics. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if this one is in the manga because I haven't read it, but do you know? No, it's not. 
It's not. Oh, that's too bad. Because none feel of like the rainbow, really none of the rainbow crystal, anything is in the manga. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's no rainbow crystal anything in the manga. But yeah, and I love how they all got they all everybody including Zoisite and this Senshi assume that it's uh, the girl, the little girl who's the carrier because up till now all of the rainbow crystal carriers have been humans, and this is the one example of for some reason ended up in a cat, <laughs> and nobody is funny. like, oh, it's so good. Yeah, but it, it, it makes sense though because if if cat you know cats can be advisors, yeah, they why can not? Be, right, Rainbow crystal carriers. I mean, in, in, they can be. I mean, in in this setting, cats are obviously worthy of of being advisors to the Moon Kingdom, and they're obviously you know more than what they seem. Then why not? It, it, it's there's a precedent there for cats being more than just quote unquote dumb animals, right? Right. So I I would say the the, the precedence is there that uh, that uh, you know the cats are not just you know in this world setting just Lap simple animals. animals. They are meant yeah. to. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. I, I would say it fits very well into the setting that the idea that a cat could be one of the, the rainbow crystal carriers, uh, given that we, we have Luna and Artemis, right? Yeah. And it really turns assumptions on on its head, right? They spend, like, um, Ami, uh, Makoto, and Usagi spend half the more than half the episode with this little girl thinking that she's the rainbow crystal carrier. Um so, and they she have no idea just what's happening. The video games. She just wanted to play the video game, and I think that that's another example of how she's just being a fourteen-year-old girl. Like, yeah, I I didn't fault her at all for that. They're they're thinking that this girl is the Rainbow Crystal Carrier. They're keeping her company, and she's like, oh, I'm gonna pass the time playing like this brand new Sailor V video game. So even though, you know, they kind of like blame her. I'm like, I don't blame her at all. She's just pi- passing the time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I mean, let, let's. If we were doing that these days, like if we if we were just sitting over somebody who's not conscious, we would be sitting there like playing with their phone or whatever. So, hundred oh, percent. I am not as an adult. As an adult, I would be doing that. Let alone, let alone a teenager. Oh yeah. So, mm-hmm. I am not judging at all. <laughs> at all. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Ray. And her role in this whole episode. Because um, I didn't realize that she and Mamoru were dating for quite so long. I just looked it up. They started dating in episode... Their first date was in episode 15. And now we're on episode 31. I, I, yeah, didn't, you know, I, I didn't remember I, them being together for this long. Yeah, I, 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 I guess it's been a while. For quite some, some time in the, in the, the show. Yeah. It's like it's the the two thing my my two key takeaways were that Zoisite was the villain that was around the longest. Um, even though they, I'm going to say they because I'm I'm now referring to my original and and both versions, yeah. all versions. Even though they were around uh, uh, 
their run isn't necessarily any longer as the main villain. They started appearing during yeah. um, Nephrite. the uh, uh, yeah Nephrite's run. Mm-hmm. So they were around, and and again, I mean, I just love the fact that you know, uh, you know, they kept on coming in to antagonize, you know, Nephrite among other things. Oh yeah, um, and. You know, anyone else, really. <laughs> yeah, you, you really I mean, get a I, good, clear picture of Zoysite's uh, personality right from the get-go with, with uh, their antagoniz- antagonization of Nephrite. <laughs> yes. So, uh, Zoysite was around the longest, and, and that, uh, I remember Ray and Mamoru and, um, um, dated for a good long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, now we're starting to see her her transition from like starting to question that and, and think about and now this is where I'm because I, I, I'm only a few episodes into the, the subtitled so I only remember his name as being Chad in yeah. the English one Chad. Um, <laughs> I know <laughs> I know uh, so yeah. he's Yushiro uh, um, yeah. I find it really yeah. interesting that you know Ray's calling Mamoru and is asking like, hey, want to go on a date? Like, even though they've been dating for 16 episodes at this point, it's still like, she's still like really awkward as she's leaving. He's he's flattered ignoring her. (laughs) Yeah, like he seems to be very focused on one thing and that's that, collecting the rainbow crystals. Which is fair enough, but you'd think that he would like break up with her if he wasn't going to be able to dedicate any time or energy to her. I think that's because when we talked about it last episode, he doesn't have the maturity to do that, right? And he's only like 18 or 19. And when you think about like the maturity of an 18 or 19-year-old boy, like I don't think that they have the awareness to do something like that, to break up with a girl because he's busy, (laughs) right? Yeah. Well, and I I think it's also from her end, he's her first boyfriend so she's still I think feeling out just the whole thing um so I I I, I think I'm pretty forgiving of the the awkwardness on her end mm-hmm. um and the fact that well I don't know honestly and I, I I'm gonna come right out and say it I'm not a huge fan of Mamoru <laughs> a lot of the time he's just a jerk yeah he really is uh, yeah, he is a jerk. I, I mean, I, I, so, and and I know that sometimes it's it's relevant for the plot and the way that it needs to play out, and I get that. But <laughs> he does this over and over and over and over again. So I'm I'm not necessarily a huge fan of him in general, even. You know, like tuxedo mask, I have more ambivalent feelings to you know because for a long time the two were separate and not necessarily mm-hmm. the same person. So I, I do kind of feel like we have to treat them as separate entities to some extent. Well, at least up to that the point past where past life versus yeah, at least up yes. to the point where Mamoru realizes who he is. Yeah, well, even then, there's still a certain amount of separation happening, right? Uh, but Tuxedo Mask um, becomes more of a jerk once Memoru 
yes, for sure. Him. <laughs> once, yeah, once Mamoru's so, personality is Tuxedo Mask, we see Tuxedo Mask take on this jerkish kind of character with yeah. only one goal. So the one goal is to have the ring and rule them all. Sorry, right. wrong show. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, just, but I, have, I understand what you're getting at. Right? Like, that's becomes, like, his only focus in both his real life and as his life as Tuxedo Mask. It, like, consumes him. My precious. <laughs> you do that very well. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, like, honestly... It, in, in later seasons, I, I I would have been clapping if Usagi John got with Sailor Starfighter, but oh, that's yeah. just me. Uh, um, personally, oh, yeah, I can't wait till we get the stars. <laughs> that's just me. That's just me because uh, Mamoru, in so many ways, like as much as like I said, I do find. Usagi to be like this, you know, like there, there's some qualities that I don't appreciate about her. She doesn't deserve what he does. Yeah. Nine Absolutely times out of ten. Not. Absolutely I, I, not. I mean, sort of in Mamoru's defense, and, although and I just 100% agree with you guys. I think that Mamoru is also maturing. And I think that as this, as Sailor Moon progresses, as the show progresses, he does mature a little bit more. But not as much as Usagi, because the show is not about him. He's to, he becomes very much more of a background character, the damsel in distress, as things go further on. But yeah, I, I totally Which get what okay. you're saying. Which is okay. <laughs> yeah. And I could forgive that. Like, I can deal with the fact that he becomes a background. Like, he's virtually not in the fifth season. Um, really. Like, he's, he's barely in it. Um... And I could deal with that if it weren't for the fact that the times that he is around half the time, and I don't know what the what what rating you're going for on your podcast. He's an asshole. Yeah, okay. to somebody we've sworn in some other episodes. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I don't know. I don't know what what language you're you're good with or not. But like sometimes he's a he's a complete asshole. Yeah, I know he totally and, is. And and maturity or not, like, and I get, and I, and I, and I'm, I, like I said, I'm all for the idea that he may not be mature enough to to do the right thing here. Um, but sometimes, in general, the way that he behaves is so bad, it's really hard to look at him and find like redeemable characteristics yeah. other than the fact that he was the, the the ostensible white knight which isn't even there really in the last yeah. season agreed yeah. <laughs> i mean there, there's a lot of and we'll get into it in the next couple episodes when the moon princess is revealed but like that whole part is like how much of this is old moon kingdom emotions of your past lives and how much of it is current emotions and like should you base the relationship on a thousand years ago the people you were a thousand years ago or should it be based on the way that he's treating you now because if that's on, the case they should not yeah 
She's very much all like and destined to be together. Like that's a big thing for Usagi. But yeah. let's think about, and I don't want to excuse him, but let's think about um, the way that Mamoru has grown up. So he's an orphan. So I guess he doesn't have really any good influences in his life to help him develop into a good person. Um, so maybe that could be why that he's a bit of a jerk. But I mean, it's not a total excuse. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We I, don't really I, get a lot of his like background said, other than that. I, I like I said, I'm just I'm just not a big Mamoru fan. Um, just because a lot of the time they use him as a plot device for Usagi. Just in terms of function of the story, without getting into real nitty gritty, they use him as a plot device, which usually involves her getting like super upset. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's usually no payout from his end. There's no turnaround. There's no actual like redeeming quality or turnaround or anything else that comes out of his end because he's not the main he's not a main character and there's no particular focus on him Mm -hmm. and in some ways i can appreciate that because it's a show about the 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 senshi and the and the female characters and and i can appreciate that but at the same time i i would i would actually in in you know I would rather see a male character who has redeeming qualities and have growth and have and learn and change and uh, then then have somebody who is a complete asshole through five seasons, um, basically. <sighs> Yeah, I, I'm going to have to revisit time. this when we go further in. Because I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't remember him always being an asshole. He isn't always an asshole. He gets better. But then he at the same time, always. it's still awkward. Yeah. And, and, and then and, and often what happens is he tends to double down <laughs> when it gets really bad. Yeah. Right? So it's like it, it almost makes up for the, the times that he's not as bad. They definitely and, and have that's, like... And that's an awkward relationship like one that's kind of cringeworthy because like later on Usagi's always like she kind of becomes like this jealous kind of weird kind of obsessive person and then like Mamoru doesn't really like that it gets kind of complicated I think oh yeah there's going to be plenty more uh, Usagi Mamoru conversations in future episodes for sure especially once they start actually dating uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so his his treatment of Ray's is in my mind. Getting coming back to this episode is just visions of the future. Yeah, <laughs> what he's doing now is really yeah. not going to be that much different to the kinds of things that he does in the future. Where when whenever anything comes up, he he tends to get angry, introverted, withdrawn, and um, a little bit manipulative, um, depending on the particular circumstances. So, 
be really interesting for us at one point to do a conversation on all of the male characters in Sailor Moon. (laughs) Oh, we should. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I I like, um, I like, I like, um, um, oh, what's his name? Um, starts with M in the, uh, the video game show. Yeah. Motoki. Oh. Yeah. But He's, we talked about him last yeah. episode and he was a bit of a jerk then too. Just like leading on teenage girls. Like He's like, I'm going to let them clean my house and cook for me because they have a crush on me. And I'm like, whoa, hang on a second there, dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's definitely some, some not so good things about him. But by and large, he does... He, by and large, he's usually pretty good with them. Yeah, and he's, he's nice to them. Better. He, yeah. But yeah. I mean, if we want to take and in like the all of the love interests. Sorry, and the relationship going. that he does have with the um, with the uh, the doctor does seem to be largely fairly healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point, he actually does call them. <laughs> on the fact that he's dating like these these young teens oh i i i I, I did i did i i love that too i was like "Mm, he's not wrong (laughs) it is a little bit you know yeah my mom was like so yep yeah and i mean then there's yuichiro or chad and he's very taken with ray obviously but also very self-deprecating and not exactly like it oh, wouldn't yeah. be the match I would put for Ray. For like, sure. So like I think strong. the lack of confidence is is why she's not finding him very appealing at this particular point. Mm-hmm. Um he doesn't like know, light sure. her fire, so to say, which is a, a phrase that Navarro uses in the next episode. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um yes. So, like, they're young, they're still looking for someone to, like, sweep them off their feet, right? Even though yeah. Yuchiro might be a better match for Rei. She's, like, she's not seeing it. She's just seeing this, like, homeless person at the temple. <laughs> but, I mean, even in the next episode <laughs> where we get into uh, Umino and Naru, it's, like, their relationship's kind of, like, awkward and probably not great either. Oh, definitely. So. Is this a good transition to Snack? Yeah. I was just going to say, is that a good segue? Do we have anything else we want to say about Luna's worst date ever? Other than, I still love this episode. It's hilarious. <laughs> oh, it's, it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, and it's a very enjoyable episode. Um, yeah, I, I think we've we've covered all of the, the salient points. I, I can't yep. think of anything else. Uh, just the last thing is that with... Uh, Rhett Butler's crystal, we now have all seven rainbow crystals are in play. So now it's the race to assemble the silver crystal. But we will worry about yeah, that to get after to- our snack break. Yeah. <laughs> all right, time for our snack break. Tracy, do you want to tell us a bit about this week's snack? Sure. Okay, so uh, today's snack we picked because Jen wanted to try taiyaki, um, which is like a fish-shaped... Uh, waffle cake except i couldn't find any at the grocery store so taiyaki is a is 
a Japanese fish shaped cake. Um, and it's commonly filled with like red bean. And I actually had Taiyaki once in New York City and they're quite delicious. So it's like it's like a waffle filled with different fillings. So they can come with like sweet potato, custard, chocolate, um, or most commonly red bean. So the history of Taiyaki or how it how we end up having this South Korean snack is um, it was adopted by South Korean and they call it Bunjeo Pong. And um, it's pretty much the exact same thing as Taiyaki, but Bing Ray makes this delicious ice cream filled fish. So we're gonna try that today. So we all have different flavors. Mine is green tea filled with red bean. Jen has strawberry with a strawberry syrup. And I think Tara has chocolate. Yeah. Chocolate. Awesome. So it kind of looks like, remember those passion flakies? Passion, yes. is that what they were called? <laughs> flakies? It kind of looks like that. But shaped as a fish. But shaped like a fish. I honestly just wanted to eat something shaped like a fish. <laughs> Are no. you going for the head or for the tail? I'm going for the head. Mm, me too. Ready? Yeah. Mm. Well, that's a lot of ice cream. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's very cold. Ooh, I took a big bite. Mmm. <laughs> I don't have any... So mine's supposed to be green tea ice cream with, like, a red bean filling. Yeah. But so far, it's just green tea ice cream, which is yeah, not mine, bad. Mine is mostly just vanilla ice cream. I think it's supposed to have some strawberry in it, but I can see it, but I can't taste it. But it's still very good. Mmm. <laughs> mm. So I started at the tail. I didn't hit any of the chocolate till I got to the body. <laughs> oh. It's still delicious, though. And it's a nice, not messy way to, like, it's not oozing out onto my hands. It's sealed pretty close, pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is probably a really good for way to give it to my kids. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting some, so now that I've eaten his whole face, I'm getting some, <laughs> like, some of that red bean filling, which is really good. Because it adds, like, a little extra sweetness. I'm a little disappointed mine doesn't have red bean in it. Mm. Mine very, very vaguely strawberry, but not very much. Mm. So, I'm overall, so I'm I'm liking it. So this is Samanko. You can get it at your, I guess, local Asian grocery store. They're pretty mm -hmm. delicious. It is very delicious. I quite like Sorry, this. It's quite chocolate. Which is good, because my children would be upset if it didn't. <laughs> and it's fun, because it's, like, shaped as a fish. All right, so Manko was a big hit with me. I think it'll be good me for too. my kids. I think I'd put this one up there when it comes to snacks, like, favorite snacks. Yeah. I don't know whether I should put it up. above or below Malona because I've already gone and bought a second box of Malona bars since the first since the time we recorded that mm. episode. But these, it's a different kind of dessert, right? Mm. Yeah, this one's mm -hmm. ice cream. Whereas the Malona is still good on like a on a hot day where you just need something refreshing. Yeah, it's more popsicle-y and this is more ice creamy. This yeah. is a little bit heavier. 
for sure. Oh, so good. Right. I love that we're eating our way through uh, the uh, grocery store. Yep. It makes All me the happy. delicious snacks. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, is there anything that we've tried so far that you were, like, really surprised that you liked? I got to look at the list because mm. I have a bad memory. <laughs> All right. So shall we move on to episode 32? Yeah. So episode 32, this one's really interesting because we get more traumatized Naru. Oh, yeah. I should add this list to the this episode to my list of uh, Naru's PTSD. Right. Is this like her 13th episode of trauma? One, Might two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. This is episode 13 of Naru's trauma. Yes. Poor <sighs> Naru. But, you know, it's not that bad. Like, she seems to be less involved as we have more Sailor Scouts now. Right? Whereas, like, in the beginning, she was, like, targeted every episode. Yeah, basically episodes 14 to 14, 16, 17, 19, 22, 23, 24, 26 was the worst run for her. Yeah. That was the hall of the, most of it was the Nephrite stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I'm I'm keeping a list of uh, poor Naru's trauma. So this is another kind of like a wacky episode. Um, not there's a little bit of plot movement, but not a lot. Like the biggest plot we have here is where Luna tells uh, all of the senshi that she is actually from the moon, and they're all surprised. And I'm like, she's a talking cat with a named Luna with a crescent moon <laughs> on her forehead. How are you surprised by this? <laughs> you no. know what? It's it's okay to be surprised by uh-huh. things still. <laughs> I, I would say the other major plot development is the loss of the um, rainbow crystal. Yes. Um, Losing the rainbow crystal um, zoocyte is yes, also definitely. a element. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, I also liked uh, we kind of in the we kind of got to see a little bit more of the relationship between kunzite and zoocyte. Um, and I, I, I like that we're getting these and little snippets of like their lives almost. Have, and yeah, their like relationship. Like, do they live in that weird yeah. creepy castle, or is that everyone lives in that weird creepy castle? I assumed it was just. I assumed that was Kunzite's castle. Honestly, <laughs> that's what I was thinking because yeah, we don't that, see it in, until we get to this point where it's just the two of them. Yeah, I. I mean, that's my impression as well. Is that it's their creepy castle for their creepy relationship uh oh yeah they they have definitely a not a healthy relationship right because like zoocyte is jealous of queen barrel because kunzite says i can't wait to see the look on queen barrel's face when we collect all the crystals and suddenly zoocyte's like whoa wait a second I'm super jealous. Why are you looking at her face, right? So <laughs> they've got an interesting kind of relationship. There's a there's a weird dynamic there, and uh, it, it, it's it's there's a creepiness to that dynamic that I I find disturbing. Like I, as much as I love Zoocyte as a character. Um, I do not like that relationship. No. Or or 
I think it's yeah, like interesting I I... because it's kunzite, malachite, like definitely is just using zoisite. Like that is very clear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In in many ways, even though zoisite is is a a general in 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 his own right, he's just a a, a soldier to to kunzite, right? Yeah. yeah. In in this. Kunzite's definitely just playing means- the long game. For sure. Whereas, like, Zoocyte is just looking at the current goal. Yeah. Yeah. It's He's definitely the so, most manipulative. Kunzite is, oh, for is, sure. I mean, like, they all are um, in their own way. But. You could probably even, like, if you wanted to make it, like, a big theory, you could even probably tie Kunzite back to the death of Jedi if you wanted to make it... You could probably figure out how he's been manipulating everybody, including a little bit Queen Beryl, to make himself the, like, most prominent general. I could probably string that conspiracy theory together. You string that and we'll talk about it when Malachite or Kunzite comes to power. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I couldn't do it right now. I I gotta work on it. (laughs) No, exactly. That's why I said you you got some time. Because I can't think of it right off the bat how that would work into it. Because we don't see Kunzite until, you know, halfway through the Nephrite episodes. So that would yeah. be interesting. But I want to talk more about and Naru he- and um, Umino because they have this really awkward relationship. I mean, Naru is pretty much just like very reluctantly getting involved. And it's all thanks to Cupid Usagi. <laughs> Naru seems completely well, uninterested I, in Umino. Completely. Well, She's like, I, no I think, thanks. I mean, realistically, both, like I said, eventually they, they both they end up having a relatively healthy relationship. Um, but we haven't quite gotten there yet. And I think it's because both of them are kind Coming from such unhealthy places. Uh-huh. Her sure. obsession with Nephrite and what he brought. Um, you know, like he was flashy and exciting and adult. Um, and I'm not gonna get into the whole angle of him being clearly an adult. <laughs> into but this. also an alien. Yeah, like there's there's so many things, and then there's the trauma involved in that. And so while she definitely bears a certain affection for Umino, um, you know, like he's not as exciting. And you know, as you say, even with Ray, they're looking for somebody who's who's got some excitement you know who who excites them and not necessarily somebody who's you know uh who loves them and who's dependable and yeah they are 14 year old girls right they're looking in the process in my opinion of stepping up he's still in the process of stepping up and getting to that point where he is you know dependable as well so there's that too right like they're not quite there yet they're still only 14 but they're getting there, and I mean, I think that it's it's really it's a really sweet episode. 
I think that, um, you know, that he's just, he, he has this, you know, he cares very deeply for Naru, obviously, and that he would and literally she, do anything for her. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like obviously. she's just there for the shrimp to begin with. <laughs> yes. I want to know how, like, good the shrimp is, because me, I'm here for the snacks. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to have fried shrimp one episode, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I think that I, I really, I don't dislike Naru and Ma, or Naru and uh, Umino as much as I like some of the other pairings in this show because I think we see them again later on in S, uh, S or Super S. And they're obviously, like like you were saying, they're obviously fond of each other. Umino does care deeply about Naru, and Naru, whereas I don't think she feels it right now, I think she, well, she doesn't feel it as deeply now. She feels something, but she doesn't really convey it yet. I don't yeah. know. She seems really reluctant. What? I don't know if she feels anything until, Why? like, until not, um... Umino comes to like save the day, which is like so weird. How Usagi's like, "Hey, you gotta be a tuxedo mask," and he's like, "Literally, okay, let me get a tuxedo, a top hat, and a mask." Yeah, well, and yeah. I think that that's just, that's just the character and his inability, like you know, to to process the fact that she meant it more as a metaphor and not literal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or yeah, did she? Because it is Usagi. <laughs> right. And I mean, like, they're 14 year olds trying to look for, like, role models, but, like, catching the wrong thing. Um, and Tara, you mentioned, uh, I think before we started the podcast, that your daughter was really interested in Mulan because she's the best killer. So maybe what this is is just, like, the wrong interpretation of what we're trying to get at. <laughs> <laughs> from young minds. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was the, the the takeaway from that movie. You know, like she liked Mulan. She liked the movie, and she, you know, her takeaway from that movie was Mulan is the best killer. And it was like that is technically true, <laughs> but not I the thing I was hoping for. <laughs> um, um, still awesome, know, though. Yeah. It is. Like I said, it was cute. It was cute. And and we talked about it afterwards. So that's almost like that, that really, what what Umino is getting out of this. He's like, oh, right. I got to be like tuxedo mask, tuxedo commit. But he doesn't really know how to do it. (laughs) And my big thing was, okay, so how does, okay, I can see why normal people would know who Sailor Moon is. How do they really know who Tuxedo Mask is? They do. I don't think they do. That part confused me about this episode because yeah. I don't know how well known Tuxedo Mask is. But I, I mean, like he could be. We don't really know. Mm-hmm. We know that Sailor Moon is a known character. Know. We know Sailor Venus is pretty it's popular. Implied, it's implied that he's at least somewhat known with the whole painter episode, though. Right. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Sort of, he well could have taken known, his but at least inspiration by known. then. Yeah. Yeah. And so I mean, there are there are just putting that there. out there that it's that it is suggested that he's at least 
known of, if not known well. Yeah. Um, although how that knowledge came about is definitely a good question. I mean, one could also make the argument or observation that maybe in terms of the grand scheme of things, maybe we're only seeing the highlights or the plot relevant ep- you know, fights and things that are happening yeah. and not necessarily all of them. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. What I find really you know, interesting yeah. is um, why, okay, why Tuxedo Mask and why is it Naru kind of traumatized maybe? Because when we think back to the first time um, Naru interacts with someone who she thinks is Tuxedo Mask, it's um, Nephrite like trying to steal her energy. Like, and she doesn't, like, there is no recognition or anything like that that happens. She just kind of accepts it. Maybe. Well, then, I mean, even that part where uh, Umino is, like, fighting the monster for her, I'm like, that has to trigger trigger something, because she's seen Nephrite, like, die in her arms protecting her. And now this other guy is fighting, literally fighting a monster for her again. And I'm like, shouldn't she be having some sort of like flashbacks or trauma or something? Honestly, honestly, I think she has PTSD. And on top of that, let's also go a little bit deeper here. We've seen that Naru has a mom. We've never seen a dad. I think she's got daddy issues. (laughs) Oh, probably. I think all most of them do. (laughs) So I think she's got daddy issues. And I think she's got PTSD. <laughs> Roll that all up in it, because I mean, why is she so like so strongly attracted to an adult? Uh, you know, like the strong adult male. Um, <laughs> you know, like who's who's like there's 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 a lot of psychology we could we could look at there that that that's you know <laughs> questionable. Um, like there's definitely some some you know like question marks and or or uh you know eyebrow raising things going on there yeah uh, i mean some of it's more culturally acceptable in japan than here but even still i think even there it would have been like <laughs> a little bit <laughs> um so that being said uh i think that because like I, I mean they don't come right out and say it but it's implied because, like, again, we see her mom. We never see a dad. That she she's being raised by a single mom. There's nothing wrong with that. But on the other hand, the side effect, some of the side effects with of that, clearly seem to be that Naru spends a lot of time being unsupervised, um, which is also fairly common in the Japanese culture. So don't don't get me wrong. I'm not necessarily leaping trying to 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 leap too far with that. But she also lacks a, 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 a you know like a male role model here or a male uh, figure, and yeah. so she's looking for that big strong male figure, and that's initially it's Nephrite, and then and that's why Umino is not as inspiring until he stands up and tries yeah. to protect her, possibly. Right. I, so that's like, kind of what she's I, I looking might be, for. Maybe. Well, Maybe. The other the other thing I just remembered um, was that Zoisite is specifically targeting Naru in this episode. She he yes. she, or he misses and hits the 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 actor, 
but I forget why that Zoe said. I would also point out because you you pointed out that Boxy in the episode that we saw was uh, was a male uh, uh, monster, and and we've actually gotten two in a row mm-hmm. because when when the um, <laughs> when the cat turned into a monster, yeah, it was a male. Yep, and this one is also a male by virtue yeah. of the, the the male actor. I'm I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, so we actually have two in a row here. Yeah, definitely. And mm-hmm. I feel bad for that poor guy in the <laughs> in the suit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Especially at the very end of the episode where it's like they're back on stage, like nothing happened. I was like picturing the poor guy going like, um. I was turned into a monster. Can I have a 10 minute break? <laughs> right? He's probably like, I need a break. Yeah. Because <laughs> everyone else probably left. You know, I don't like, know. Like, these guys don't get a break. There's still like a crowd. It's like nothing happened. I know. And the other guy is like, um, I was attacked by a monster. Can I have a 10 minute break? <laughs> I'd be like, I was attacked by a monster. Can I go home? Yeah. <laughs> Right. Right. It's that that part of um, the Emperor's New Groove where all of the the guards get turned into animals and he's like, "Um, I'm a cow. Can I go home? Yes, that's what I was thinking of. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think what's really cute. Okay, I want to talk about the the attack this monster has. So it's Marimo Algae. Which is actually like a little plant that looks like these green little balls. Okay. Um, yeah, no, it's I an actual thing. I meant to look thing. it up, but I forgot. <laughs> yes, because so I have a Marimo, um, and they're adorable, and I could never imagine it attacking me. Uh, but I think it's really funny because uh, Usagi says, "Like I don't think you have permission from the Hokkaido Sightseeing Association," and I'm like, so I had to look that up because I was like, "What is that?" Yeah. So. Hokkaido is is renowned for the high quality and freshness of its seafood as the cold waters surrounding Japan's northernmost picturesque are ideal for fish and sea vegetation. I have no idea what Marimo has anything to do with this. So it's an area. uh, Yeah, so um, it's particularly famous for certain products such as the sea urchin of um, Rishiri and Ribun. And I'm like, ah, oh, maybe it's like the sea urchin. But yeah, so that's what Hokkaido is known for. Hmm. Pictures are really pretty. We should check it out. <laughs> but I think it's really funny that she's like, I don't think you have permission to use this attack. <laughs> <laughs> Copyright infringement. Right? <laughs> but yeah, Marimo are really cute. And really easy to take care of as a plant. Oh, I'm going to have to look them up because uh, yeah. as long as cats can't eat them, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, you kind of like keep them in, you can, so you can make like little aquariums for them. Yeah. So look up Marimo Aquariums. Yeah. Uh, another neat thing about this episode is that we have another example of Usagi controlling the power of her tiara. Uh, yes. Because there are no other senshi in this episode. It's just Sailor Moon. And so she can't, she has to weaken the monster to heal it. And she does that by like throwing her tiara and then being like, just a little bit. <laughs> yep. Which I thought so was, that was very really cute. Cool. 
it is very cool um, that she's able to control her powers a lot more now. Yes. Well, it's she's growing into uh, it, you know with more confidence because in one of the um, uh, I'm I'm trying to remember ex- exactly which the one with the uh, the the scissors um, the monster with the scissors I can't remember the name of the monster oh, um, that with that one she had, <laughs> yeah but, and and she she had the tiara land on his head um, yeah. well first of all. I stopped it. I, I laughed hysterically, stopped it, showed it to my son, who also <laughs> laughed. We like we we laughed. Both of us la- laughed hysterically at it for about five to ten minutes, um, just at the sheer imagery of it. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, we 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 enjoyed that scene. Um, immensely. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that too. And because it was the same thing, she was trying to weaken it so that she could heal him. Um, yes. <laughs> so it's neat that she kind of can put that in her, her wheelhouse of things she can do with her tiara. Yeah, for sure. And it's, and it's, and it's neat that she's gaining that greater confidence and that greater control over her abilities, you know, because it's in all honesty between her and the other scouts, you're not seeing the other scouts doing anything, but, but, but using their attacks and then using their attacks. The only th- the only other thing we've seen them learn is to augment her attack with their attacks. Yeah. Yes. For sure. So, I, I think in in many ways she's actually learned the most at this point. Oh, definitely about, about her attacks because I think that and we see her development more right. It's true, like, as the main character, we're seeing more of her development. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think that, and granted, the argument could be made that she had further to go. <laughs> yes, and I think that that's the fact, right? So everyone else is kind of like, they don't need to mature, develop their skill anymore. They come into it a lot more confident with their skills um, and just with a lot more maturity, and she has to find yeah. her way. Yeah. Um, Fair I enough. Also- I I will concede that point that uh, that she she definitely had further to go from the get go. So maybe I'm I'm being a a little bit too too proud of her development, but uh, still I think (laughs) well it's it's the way the episode starts. Yeah, it's the way the episode starts um, where she gives that introduction where she um, it's changed twice since we started where she's kind of like I'm a Steeler Scout and. Um, I don't know what I'm doing, but I guess it'll turn out fine. Well, I think and, the very first one, it was Luna. It was, she was like, Luna's made me do, is making me do this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but now, now it's like a little more confident. She's like, well, now there's four of us. So now it'll turn out fine. So like every time that introduction changes, we see her mature a little bit into her role as the, as the leader, or at least into her role as the sailor senshi. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and more confident and more sure of herself for sure. Yeah, and as I well, think that I think every time she does mature, it's a, it's a result of trying to help her friends, right? Yeah. Her like being a friend is so important to her that it forces her 
to push a little further and to mature and to be a better person. Yeah. And yeah. And I think yeah. that's why Zoysite, I was going to say Zoysite had a really good plan in this, in this episode uh, because Zoysite's plan is basically like all of these people unbeknownst to him, including her friends or friend are going to suffocate in these algae balls unless you give me the crystal. And Zoysite is is very good at playing to people's weaknesses. Like, he did it a lot with Nephrite, uh, and obviously Naru, and he's very good at pointing that out to Sailor Moon as well, to the point where she has no choice. Like, what is she going to do? They're all suffocating. Right. She's by herself. She can't defeat Zoysite to get to the monster to defeat the monster before everybody suffocates. So she has to do what the only thing she can do, which is give up the crystal, which is when Tuxedo Mask shows up. If he had showed up a little earlier, then it probably wouldn't have been so bad, because Tuxedo Mask could have distracted Zoysite and let Sailor Moon save them earlier, and then maybe the Rainbow Crystal wouldn't have gotten taken. Well, 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 well. I'm going to go one step further and, and, you know, say maybe he waited for this particular opportunity because he knew that this is what Zoysite was doing. No, I think he totally did. you know, Because Mamoru is a jerk. Yeah. (laughs) I think so. Because that is his only goal right now. Yeah, he doesn't care about saving them anymore. He only cares about the crystal. Yeah. I don't think he doesn't care about it. I just think that it's a secondary concern at this point. I don't know. Everything he does is for the crystal now. Yes, but at the same time, he's also shown that he'll he will save Sailor Moon at least. I mean, I, I don't I don't know if he if he really cares about any of the other century and, and his initial transformation was tied to hers. Yeah. So um I don't know if that's completely fair. I'm actually gonna come to his defense in this case. Um, even though I don't like him. (laughs) Um, I don't think that's completely fair. But that being said, um, I I suspect that he was waiting it out for the crystal to come out because he wanted their crystal too. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, he made a claim. He wasn't going to attack them to get it. No. He hasn't quite gotten that far there was a line that he wasn't willing to cross. He wasn't going to attack her to get it, but he wanted it. And now, he was wi- and he was willing to allow this situation to get as far as it did, I expect, because he wanted to get that crystal. Yeah. I yes. wonder if it had... Okay, I wonder if either he had all the crystals Perfect. except for one or the Sailor Scouts had all the crystals except for one that he had. If he would have attacked them directly to get them. Also, I think then, if he was getting that desperate, maybe. The Sailor I, Scouts would kick his know, ass. I, yes. I don't, I don't, I don't know, because it's it's a thing. Like I think that his his thing is, is that he's willing to let um he was willing to let the Dark Kingdom do his dirty work for him. Because mm-hmm. they're desperate too, right? Yeah. And they're more than capable of doing plenty of dirty work on their own so why not let them do the work and reap the benefits if you will right right so i fully expect that he let it let it get this far so that he could try to get the crystal himself 
Yeah. And I think so now our count, yeah, at the end of this yeah. episode, go for it, Tracy. So there's five rainbow crystals for the Dark Kingdom and two for Tuxedo Mask? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the yes, Dark Kingdom the is coming at the up. End of the yeah. It's coming out on top, but you need all seven to be able to do anything. So they're kind of at a stalemate right now. Yeah. Yes. So is there anything else that's really... Yeah, I know. I was just like, I'm not sure what else there is for us to to say about this episode. It's, uh, like I said, it's the race now to see who can get all of the the crystals. Now that they're all in play, they've got to find them. Or they've got to get them in one place. I think for the story, I think they needed to get the crystal away from Sailor Moon in the the Sailor's Entry and into... The, the Dark Kingdom so that it became a, a question of Tuxedo Mask versus the Dark Kingdom. Yeah. Um, from a story perspective is my thinking as well. Um, so f- from a plot perspective, I think that that's where this um, episode tends to fall. I just that it I wish they would work to- together. Like, I don't know why Tuxedo Mask has to be like, oh, like this lone. I know, so lone wolf, right? Like, but I guess well, I guess he doesn't know whose side, I, yeah. who's on his side, right? He's I, I always acted on I, his own. You know, there's the whole memory thing, but at the same time, at the same time, let's let's also sit back and 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 think about this logically, <laughs> just for for thirty seconds, okay? <laughs> so he's an adult. Arguably, he's 18. <laughs> he's an adult, so he, he's capable of doing a little bit more rational thinking, perhaps. I'm going to argue a little that, bit more. that, you know, okay. adulthood but, doesn't happen but later, but okay. <laughs> okay, okay, but he's old, he's old enough, he could do a little bit more thinking about this than, than the rest, right? And and be a little bit more detached. Well, it's Mamoru, he is detached. Anyway, so, <laughs> okay. So... Mamoru transforms whenever she transforms. There's yep. clearly some sort of connection between them. Whether you remember it or not. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. Uh, right? <laughs> I would argue right? that. I don't know. I don't know if he knows. Like, But even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't point, know, I think Usagi knows. At this point, he knows that his transformation is tied to hers. I don't think he's ever made it like explicitly clear. No, in any of epi- in any episodes. But honestly, so I think I think Usagi sees that, and I think that's why Usagi is is so convinced that he can't possibly be uh, a bad guy. It's because I think she not only can feel the connection because of their past selves, which she doesn't know about, but I honestly think that she could put two and two together in this case better than Mamoru can, which is weird. See, I think part of the issue is is that all of these people feel a connection because at the end of the day, they all do. 
even yeah. the bad guys. They all feel a connection. Because remember the 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 scene when when Nephrite and and Mamoru pass each other, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I know you." Right? Yeah. Like right. there was that moment of, of connection. So they they all have a connection, and some of it's more immediate than others. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily a question of whether or not they they feel the connection. Like he knows there's a connection between him and her and the reality being like if you if you think about it logically i i don't see how you could make an argument that especially if his role is clearly meant to protect her why he would be working against her like and i think that's i honestly think that's the logic that usagi sees but the rest of them are like, we don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. But I think Usagi sees it the way you just said. Usagi's like, but he protects me. He comes to our aid. How can he possibly be a bad guy? Right. But but here's the thing. And, and, and that's, well, you know what the factor is? Mm-hmm. Memory. <laughs> oh, yeah. The memory factor and the fact that he's a, uh, <laughs> that's the factor. <laughs> that's the factor that throws it out. Uh, and I think, and I think that 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 ultimately is the thing is that I think that you know Tuxedo Kamen and Mamoru are two distinct entities, and that initially Tuxedo Kamen is more or less based on the thousand-year-old memories, the thousand-year-old self. Yeah, and, he's a demon. Yes, and. Mamoru is not necessarily Tuxedo Kamen. And at some point, there is some sort of merging or melding of them. You know, he get, he gains the memories. But yeah. that doesn't... I still don't think that makes him Tuxedo Kamen. That just means that he remembers what Tuxedo Kamen remembers. That doesn't make him the same person. And that yeah. always kind of throws it off. Because Mamoru is a lot more detached from things. And different from the person that I perceive Tuxedo Kemen to be. You know, it's kind of like Moon Princess versus uh, Usagi, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Yeah. they're right. also two people. They're very you different know, like, people. They, 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 like, bump their heads on the way down exactly. to Earth. Yeah, so, so this is where I'm saying, like, there's definitely, they're not the same people. And and to say that they are and that they they should be doing like yeah, um, so I, needs I would to write a fan to say where that, they're not together. <laughs> I'm, sure I'm sure somebody has. I'm sure somebody has because like they're not really like they were meant for each other in another life, but not in this one. But I think yeah. also they believe in this rebirth, right? Um, that you're the same soul. Um, and so you're meant to be together, but that's probably not really the case that's in this healthy. situation. It's not. I, I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's healthy because they're. It, it, it feels like they're they're trying to force themselves to be with this other person for the sake of like, uh, you know, memories, right? And it's yeah. like rather than being the person that you are now, you're trying to be the person that you were in this case a thousand years ago. And right. neither of them are those people. And that's the yeah. issue. Because it's exactly. like, you know, right now, Tuxedo Kamen is trying, you know, Mamoru is trying to be Tuxedo Kamen, but he's not. 
And I think that that's why there's always kind of this disconnect and this disjointedness and maybe that awkwardness between the, you know, like maybe at some point the the relationship between Usagi and him does turn out healthy in some way. I I haven't seen, um, you know, Sailor Moon uh, Crystal. So maybe they, they, because I've heard that there's some changes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, so we, we, maybe they make the their relationship a little bit healthier because uh, and I would love to see that. Like I would love to see um, a healthier relationship. Like I'm not saying that he needs to be perfect. No. But I would like to see I would like to see somebody who whenever he's got um like these major really bad, bad down moments to see some sort of growth or reversal or payout in terms of character, because we don't ever get to see that with him. No, and that's he becomes, the a, he becomes a lot more of a minor character than, especially as we get more and more senshi tuxedo mask basically yeah. just becomes a, a background character. We don't need him anymore. So he doesn't get that growth because he's not important anymore. And it, yeah, but he, he becomes a plot device. But usually, it's at the cost of like him being terrible to Isagi, which, yeah. like I said, it, I, I I don't appreciate that as a plot device. No, because in, in you know maybe this sounds weird coming from a from a, you know, a woman who's married to a woman, but I think that that paints a really bad portrayal of like heterosexual relationships and what they should be like. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like, maybe I, you know, like, I mean, I've also got some issues with, with uh, Haruku and Mashiro's, um, like theirs isn't perfect either, but by and large, theirs is healthier. By and large, theirs is a healthier relationship. Yeah, they're a whole other kettle of worms because they just like to play other people against each other for them together. Like, they like to do it together. They've got got their own weird things going on. Um, (laughs) And yeah, so like I said, they're not perfect by any stretch either, but by and large, their relationship is healthier because they they genuinely, you know, care for each other and communicate. Um, (laughs) So, which... Like sometimes I don't see that happening in the in the the Usagi, you know, Mamoru no. relationship. No. Um, you know, not that we're talking about that in this in this. We don't necessarily see that yet in this in the these episodes, but um, but we're seeing it in so much as where Ray's coming from, yeah. in that detachedness and, and and all of that, and that's just things things to come. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I yeah, like I don't hate him. I just don't like him. <laughs> yeah, there could they could have made a much better foil for Usagi, who is so full of love that they could have had a better opposites attract and all that. Yeah, crap. and all that crap. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I can say, yeah, yeah, because like I said, I, I just I wish that there was a payout to to these to the bad, right? Like some sort of flip that that was good right but it always is bad and then it goes back to mediocre mm. yeah because yeah. that's what we always get 
relationship. It's never, it's never a great relationship. It's her trying and him being there. That's like a really good summary of it. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> Which is uh, kind of sad. Yeah, but you know what? We're getting into the episodes now. Here's my segue. The next four or so episode is when we're really the plot really gets a kick in the pants. So maybe we get a little bit more of the characters in the next four episodes. Um, so our next two episodes are going to be episodes 33 and 34. Enter Venus, the last guardian. Woo! Finally, <laughs> 33 episodes in, we Yay. get Venus. And then right after that, we get the shining silver crystal, the moon princess appears. Ooh. So we don't even get like episodes with Venus like we did with with the other senshi where it's Venus being slowly introduced yeah. into the group. It just goes bang Venus, bang moon crystal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, awesome. arguably Venus was in some ways the first one that was introduced. Yeah. 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 Because we've known Sailor V yeah. the whole time. Awesome. Ah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so like like I said, the next couple episodes are going to be pretty darn exciting, and I'm looking forward oh, yeah. to watching them and it, talking about them. It it, it, it is it is it is. I'm I'm, I'm uh, I am uh, jealous, and uh, you know, so so don't get me wrong. For anybody who might be listening, I I do not hate Bamaru. <laughs> sure, you do. <laughs> I don't, and that's fine. You, you know, like some people can be Team Motoki, some people can be Team Mamaru. I personally think that she needs to do a little bit more of her own personal growth before she has a boyfriend. Yeah, she's only fourteen. She's 14. <laughs> <laughs> or like older than fifteen. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, that might be a good start. Mm-hmm. Um, like, well, at least with a you know, because how old is he? At the end of the show, 19? 19 yeah, we or guessing some 19, 18, 19. Something yeah. like that. He's I, well, he's in the he's in the, the States at, in the, the fifth season, right? He goes to the US. Oh, yeah. Well and that's mean, why he's not age, there. If they're aging a year every every season, season, which I don't know if they are, because they're into high school in season five. That's when all of a sudden she get into high school. And I think Mamoru yeah. is probably finishing off college at that point. Yeah. So yeah, well. so he's he's like twenty or something. Like he's he's significantly like significantly older than her. Yeah. Um. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just I just wish that they had done him better i feel like if nothing else i think that in terms of the overall big picture plot and everything that that they didn't do well with the character and that they could have done so much more with the character even in small ways mm-hmm. is i yeah. guess my beef yeah and, and it's 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 less him per se and more with just what they could have done and i feel like you know it's like you don't have to have perfect representations always all the time but it's more like especially given that that he is important to her mm-hmm. that's why he's important right yeah um that's why he's important right because otherwise it wouldn't matter 
uh, you know, because it's kind of like, you know, if if Nephrite is, you know, bad and a bad boyfriend, who cares? And if Amino had been a bad boyfriend, it really wouldn't have mattered either because he, he's not that important at the end of the day. He's simply a, a, a schoolmate and, you know, eventually Naru's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And so it really wouldn't have mattered that much if he was a not a great boyfriend. At the end of the day, he's a better boyfriend than than. Yeah, Mamoru. exactly. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So you know, so like I said, it's more like I think that they could have done better with it, and I just uh, and I feel like they 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 missed an opportunity there. Um, like I I I feel like it was they just kept on using him as a plot device. Yep. Without ever fulfilling the plot device. Role. I mean, like, the story so isn't about more him, than, right? So No, but Amino is a plot device, too. He's always a plot device. He's he's almost always there just to fulfill informational aspects, right? Like, you know, like, you know, the rumors and all that. Like, he's a plot device nine times out of ten whenever he's brought into an episode. Um, he's not really there for, for any, uh, uh, you know, like he's not a main character. He's not there for function, but he gets better. He gets a better payout at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why does Amino get a better, why does Amino get a better payout than, than Mamoru when Mamoru is more important? And that's my point. Uh, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. Very valid points. And, uh, yeah, I, I, Unfortunately, that's ever doesn't really get answered. So, I don't know. It, yeah, I don't know what to say. I agree with you. I just don't know what else to say about that. Um, but I guess we will take uh, we will end there. And um, yeah. yeah. So thank you very much for being uh, on our uh, podcast again, Tara. We appreciated it and ha- enjoyed no having words. you. <laughs> Sorry about ranting a little bit. Uh, I just wanted to make my stance clear. I I just don't want people thinking that I hate him when I, when I don't, I don't hate him. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I love it when we get passionate people on this podcast because it makes the discussion really interesting and uh, we really get into like the meat of it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. 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 So it's more fun that way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you can find us online if you want to uh, get in touch with us. We are at Sailor Snacking on Instagram and are currently still piggybacking off of the True North Nerds uh, for Facebook and everything else. So you can find us at True North Nerds uh, on Facebook, uh, truenorthnerds at gmail.com uh, for email. And we also have truenorthnerds.com website. Uh, and uh, True North Nerds, if you don't know, is another podcast that I do with my husband, Brent, and Kevin and Ryan, who uh, have also been on this podcast as well. Um, yeah, and you can reach us there. So I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope everybody goes out and buys some fish ice cream. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you all next time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>